Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. The scripture tells us that we are saved by grace, right? God saves us by grace, but we still need these ingredients to keep growing. We, these, these ingredients are necessary for us because really what we want to be, I hope, is all that God's called us to be in, for his kingdom purpose in the world, in the land, right? In our, our areas. I hope that would be a desire of yours. To say, okay, I'm a Christian. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to, to go? How is it that you want me to, to you know, function in this relationship I have with you? And that you would end up being a light in the darkness. Because darkness is covering the earth. Right? We even got a, a war going on right now. Darkness is covering the earth. And so as it's our job then to be the light in the darkness. See, as Christians, we can't cower away and go, oh, well, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say anything. No, you know what? We need to be standing up and praying for Ukraine. We need to be standing up and praying for Russia. We need to be praying for everybody and the world for the Lord to intervene and, and make sure that this is the will of God or what the will of God needs to be done. But see, it's oftentimes we think, well, that's so far away from us. That's something that is, is distant. I don't need to be concerned about that. But man, we do. God wants us to be concerned about those things. And so over the last three weeks, we're just gonna, I'm just going to tell you real quick, we, we, we covered three ingredients or disciplines in this. And the first one, the first ingredient discipline was to have a passion for souls. For us to have a passion for souls. For us to be able to look at people and have this desire that, that God has. Because God desires that each and every person be saved. And in our own lives, man, are, are we driven by that passion? The fact that God wants and desires for people to be saved in our life. People that we're connected to, he wants them to be saved. People that are outside of that, he wants them to be saved. The second one was a passion for God's word. I mean, it's, it, God's word is not an optional thing. It's something that we have to have a passion for. We have to desire. And then last week we found out, that we have had to have a passion for the Holy Spirit and His supernatural power working in and through our lives. Because He wants to work in us. He wants to do that. So if you've missed any of those, listen to the podcast. Get online. Find, you know, Lakeshore Christian Fellowship. Look for podcasts. And then you can go down and you can either listen to Catawba, Gastonia, or Tiga K. Whatever. At least you got three. And they're all probably all three different versions. Because we're all three different guys. Right? All different giftings. But today, what we're going to be looking at, um, this fourth ingredient or this uh, discipline is a passion for worship. Is a passion for worship. Now, I've got a couple quotes on here before we, we jump into my time of prayer. But let me go to the first quote right here. Or maybe it's both of them. I don't know how they put it up. Here's the first one. Now, this is from theologian Albert Barnes. It says, praise is one of the greatest duties of the redeemed. Okay, that's, that's someone who, who has made Christ their Lord and Savior. Praise is the greatest duties of the redeemed, for it will be their employment forever. When we get to heaven, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be praising. You're going to be singing. You're going to be worshiping. You're that forever, right? That's your employment. You think, man, what am I going to work? What kind of job am I going to have in heaven? There you go. You're going to praise and you're going to worship. All right. The next one says this. This is from another theologian, Karl Barth. It says, worship is the most uh, mo momentous, the most urgent, the most glorious action that can take place in human life. That's because it gets us ready for what's to come. Worship here on earth, right? If you begin to develop a lifestyle of worship, it is getting you ready for what is to come in heaven. So why not practice it here? Why not? Right? I mean, how cool is that? 
Because when we get to heaven, man, we're going to stand before him. And man, he is going to be so glorious and so wonderful. And man, all of the stuff that we carry with us in this world is all going to be gone. And we're going to see him clearly face to face. And man, there is nothing but anything else you can do but worship him. That's, that's just, just the facts of it. Okay? So let me pray real quick. And then we'll, we'll jump into Acts chapter 2. Holy Spirit, help us. Teach us to have a passion for worship. Acts chapter 2, okay? So we're going to look at this first because this is going to help us learn about the environment of the early church, right? We've been kind of talking about these spiritual disciplines and how the early church has given us a great picture, a great window into how we're supposed to be operating and moving in these things. Well, right here in Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, it says this, and we've we've heard this a little bit in some of the others, but here we go, and not probably not 47. It says, so continuing daily... With one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Verse 47, and praising God. Now, certain translations say continually. Praising God continually. Okay, yeah, don't worry about all that other stuff. Just the praising God. That's all I want you to know. Right? I didn't realize that was all up there. But praising God, like I said, other translations say continually. So here we have this, this, this environment of the early church praising God continually. It was a lifestyle for them, right? And if you remember in the past couple of weeks we've talked about is the fact that Acts chapter 2 is not just a history book. I mean, Acts chapter, the whole book of Acts, sorry. The whole book of Acts is just not a history book. It's a, it's a book of pattern. It's supposed to be a book that shows us how the church is supposed to function. Right? So if the church in the, in the book of Acts or the early church functioned in a way that they praised and they sang and they worshiped continually, shouldn't we be the same? Shouldn't, shouldn't we walk in here? I'm just going to say Sunday right now, but yeah, there's coming attractions here. But we should be walking in here on Sunday, and we should be at the top of our lungs, even if we sound terrible. We should be worshiping at the top of our lungs. We should be singing as badly as we want to. Because I think God's got this little box up there, and he just kind of tricks it and goes, oh, he sounds better now. At least for me, anyways. Right? But at the top of our lungs, we should be praising the Lord. We should be worshiping Him. And so we got to, and the thing is too, it shouldn't just be on Sunday if you join in on Sunday. Right? It should be every day. Every single day, this should be a lifestyle for us. Worship should be a lifestyle, praise should be a lifestyle for us. Because it was part of the early church since the start. And so therefore, it should be part of the church. Right? It should be part of the church. Now, where did the early church get all this? Okay? Well, in the Old Testament, David, remember King David? He was passionate about worship. He was totally passionate about worship. He was a passionate worshiper. Right? It even tells us in Scripture that when they brought, brought the ark in, what did he do? He danced before the Lord. What? Right? He didn't do the electric slide, right? Or he didn't do uh, the Cotton Eye Joe or whatever. But he danced before the Lord because he was passionate about worship. And you know, remember, I think it was his wife at the time was like, "Ah, what is he doing? He's looking foolish. And he's like, hey, I I don't care because this this is a part of who my life is. This is a part of what, what God's created me to be. And I know that I am supposed to to be passionate about my worship. So he, he, David basically kind of set a standard for worship. He wrote, right? He, he used his songs. We know them as the Psalms to teach the people of Israel how to worship. And so what happened was, is then that passion became ingrained in the hearts of the Jewish people, right? Throughout the years. And then it transferred over or it continued on to the New Testament where we see Jesus and the disciples, they were worshipers. You think, well, man, Jesus was the Son of God. Like, who's he worshiping? Worshiping the Father, right? 
He's worshiping God. But see, we have to understand that they were worshipers because it was passed down. See, that's why it's so important if, if you, you are a parent, if you have kids, it's so important for you to pass down these things into the lives of your kids. Right? And maybe, maybe, maybe you're not a parent right now. Maybe you're a grandparent. It is so important for you as a grandparent to pass these things down to your kids. It just kind of carries through. But see, what happens if we don't, then it stops. It just cuts off. But see, that's not God's heart. God wants us as, as older people, let's put it that way. Um, he wants us to be able to, to pour into the younger people. That's why I get so excited when I hear the praise and worship going on in kids' ministry. Because I know that when they're going to bring it to the sanctuary one day. But see, as a church, that's what we got to do. We got to train our young kids up. And we got to, you know, help them through the process. Get them through middle school. Woo, right? Then get them in high school. They're a little bit better. But then when they grow up, hopefully then, then, man, they're involved and engaged knowing what worship's about. Knowing that, hey, I'm worshiping because, you know what? I love God. God loves me. And look at all that he's done for me. Oh, my gosh. Right? We get excited when someone scores a touchdown in a football game. And we'll yell and scream or whatever. You know, we'll paint our bodies blue, whatever the colors of the, of the football team is. And we'll go, ah! You know, even if it's zero degrees. Shout out to Buffalo people, right? <laughs> but, but, but we get all excited. Why don't we get excited about God? And the goodness of God. And the graciousness of God. We, we, we just seem not to sometimes. Look, here, here's this proof. Mark chapter 14, uh, verse 26. About Jesus and, 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 and the disciples being worshipers. It says, And when they had sung a hymn or a psalm, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, think about what just took place. Okay? Here, here's Jesus. He, he, he has communion with the disciples. He washes the disciples' feet. And then he knows that he's going to face the horrific challenge or the horrific events of the cross so that you and I can, can be saved so that we can be, uh, secure our redemption for us. Yet, knowing all that was going to happen, what did Jesus do? He said, guys, come on, let's go worship. Right? He could have been, ah, man, no, I, I, man, I, ah, this is just rough. I, man, I don't know. You guys don't even know what I'm going to go through. Oh, it's just going to be so hard. You know, this is just, ah. But he didn't. He said, guys, come on. I mean, he set this perfect example. Let's go worship. Let's go worship. Let's sing a song. Because he was worshiping his father because it was a part of who he was. But he was setting this example for the disciples who, as we know, later became apostles. And those apostles then led the New Testament church to be a singing and worshiping church. See how it just kind of progressed? He was demonstrating for them how, how this thing works. And then they took it and they said, hey, this is how it works. See, we need to do that in our homes with our kids. We need to do that with our grandkids when they're, they're with us. We need to demonstrate the goodness of God. But if we're, if we're silent, then man, what are they going to know? Oh, that, that's okay. That's how I do it. Well, no. God wants, wants, wants so much more. I mean, you even look at this. So, like they, so they would praise Right? We, we know that there were signs and wonders that happened within their midst, right? And even in that, they, even in the difficulties and trials, they worshiped. Great example of that is Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas are in prison for preaching the gospel. And so they get chained up. And in the middle of it, they could have moped and could have complained and could have said, ah, right? They just were preaching the gospel. That's all they were doing. But during that time, I guess Paul looked at Silas and said, yeah, we don't have a beatbox or nothing like that. Or maybe Silas can go, whatever. That probably didn't happen, by the way. That, that's an ad living, right? Anyways, uh, yeah. Um, looked at each other and said, hey, let's worship. So they started to worship. And they started to lift their voices. Then the whole jail cell started to hear it. Right? You know, those guys sitting in the jail probably going, what? What's going on? 
And what happened? The power of God came, opened up those prison cells, broke off the chains. And, and what's really cool, Paul and, Paul and Silas didn't go running. They stayed. The jailer comes in, ah, I'm going to lose my job, right? Paul, hey, don't worry about it. We're here. And what happens is, then the jailer takes him to his house. His whole family gets saved. But see, if Paul and Silas just moped, and ah, this is just bad, the power of God would not have showed up. And then this family, this jailer would have not have been saved. And his family would have not have been saved. See, there is power in our praise and worship. There is. So all because they had this worship service in jail. I mean, how many times can we have a worship service in our car? Maybe we had a bad day. You, ever, you know, what's that song? If you have a bad day, a debt, whatever. Anyways, maybe when you're driving home, instead of listening to, you know, your, your secular music, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but maybe it's turning on some worship music or you actually singing a song that you know and you just start worshiping in your car. I guarantee you, 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 you begin an attitude of worship when you've had a rotten day and you know what I'm going to tell you, man, the atmosphere will change in your heart. Things will begin to change in you because of what God wants to do. But see, it's when we keep silent. That's when, when he, 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 he's like, come on. Just worship me. I, I, and we'll get to a point here in a minute. But just worship me. I mean, the Bible even says, man, if we don't worship him, he'll have the rocks cry out and worship him. What? We used to sing a song in kids' ministry that had something to do with, with rock. Well, ain't no rock going to take my place. Whatever, and you would be like a rock. Right? Because you got to do motions, right? And then we did one where it ain't no tree. Gonna, gonna, gonna sing in my place and we pretend we were a tree. See, we, we just got to understand that, you know what, worship is so important that God's like, hey, if you ain't gonna do it, I'll get someone else to do it. He wants us to be engaged in this. So we see in the psalm, so, so the psalms taught the Jewish people, and then Jesus, apostles, and the early church, right? Now let's look at, at a psalm, Psalm 100. And this psalm, psalm kind of creates a pathway for us in what to do and how to do it. Because sometimes we're like, well, what do I do? How do I do it? I don't know, Pastor Scott. Uh, I just kind of walk in here sometimes and I, I'm not sure what to do. Well, let me give you an example here. So the first three verses on are what to do. Okay? Are you ready? Make a joyful shout to the Lord all you lands. Now, don't think, oh, okay, well, yeah, that means that land's going to make a shout, and that land. No, you're, you're the land, okay? And what does it say to do? Make a joyful shout, right? Man, let it out. There are times, I'm just going to be honest with you, there are times that I wake up in the morning, and I'm not, I have no desire to shout to the Lord. I wake up and man, my back hurts. I'm mean, older I get, my back hurts, my legs hurt, everything hurts. But you know what? I've got to, to do it myself and say, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm going to make a shout to the Lord, right? I'm going to lift it up. So it says, make a joyful shout. So his memory is telling you what to do, right? So feel free to make a joyful shout in church. Did I just say that? I did. It said in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Man, be joyful when you come into worship. Don't be sour like you've been sucking on lemons all week. Come in and be joyful like, oh gosh, man, I get to praise the King of kings and Lord of lords. The one who has redeemed me. The one who has set me free. Yeah, I got all this crud going on, but who cares? Because I know he can take care of it. It says, come and serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. There it is. Okay? So if David is teaching the people and declaring that we are supposed to sing, don't keep your mouth quiet. Don't keep your mouth Because I sound bad. Or whatever. I, or, I, I, man, I, I don't even know this song. 
Well, that's why the lyrics are up there. So just read them off. Sing, make it, make a joyful noise, right? It says, sing in his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Okay, now the second three verses is how to do it. Okay, as kind of the step-by-step praise and worship path. Anytime, anywhere, okay? It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So when you come to church, are you thankful? Or are you just checking off the box? I gotta come. No, come into his gates, come into his courts. And man, I'm so thankful that I'm here. I'm so thankful that I'm breathing today because I'm breathing and I can suck in air and release it. Then you know what? That means God's still got a plan for me. God's still got something for me to do. It says, come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. This room should be rocking every Sunday. It it shouldn't just be the worship team up here singing and doing it. It should be the whole congregation because we're walking in thankful for what God's doing and then we're singing at the top of our lungs even if we sound bad. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless, right? But that word bless in the Hebrew is barak, which means to worship, right? So praise, be thankful to him and worship his name. So you got praise and worship because, you know, some people get stuck on, well, what, you know, uh, what do I do, praise this time or do I worship him this time? No, no, that's all just all encompass, Okay. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Now, again, like I said, I want to break it down just a little bit. This praise and worship. So what is praise? Now, I'm going to give you this one scripture to kind of like help us kind of get to where we need to go. It's kind of to set this up a little bit. In Matthew 21, verse 16. Okay, this is when Jesus... Uh, was coming in the triumphal entry. You know, they were throwing down palm branches and everything, and people were excited, and they were shouting. And it says this, and said to him, and said to him, that, that's the religious leaders. They're saying this to Jesus. He said, they said, do you hear what these are saying? Like, you got to make it a little more snootier, right? Do you hear what these people are saying? Right? Like, how dare they? Man, I, 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 I would love for somebody to come and stand right at that door and go, what? Do you hear what they're doing? Oh my gosh, this place is erupting with praise. This place is just going crazy, right? Because they were all upset because the younger crowd or the younger people or just the people in general, I guess, in a sense, man, they were totally like, like electric in their worship of Jesus. They were like electric, just like, oh my gosh, here he comes. Hosanna, right, in the highest. They weren't just like, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. No. They were like, Hosanna in the highest. Yeah, man, this is awesome. And the religious leaders were all like, uh, you can't do that. Like, we're looking on the, on the little, like, a meter, the sound meter scale and all that. And it's going way too far over to the right or left. I don't know which side it's supposed to go. But it's going way too far over. Jesus, aren't you going to do something about that? Huh? And then Jesus said to them, yes. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I hear. This is awesome, by the way. I just want you to know that, guys. Okay? He says, yes. Have you never read? Now, this is Psalms 8-2 that he's quoting. He says, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Now, don't say, oh, okay, yeah, so it's only out of babies and nursing infants, like toddlers. No, it's everybody, right? Because you know what? You can be a baby Christian and you can worship, right? You can be a mature Christian and you can worship. It covers the whole gamut. So this word perfected means to arrange, set in order, to adjust, complete without lacking. Okay, that's key. Complete without lacking. There was no lack in their praise. Okay, and praise is, is, uh, means a story, a saying, or a proverb. And we kind of think, well, wait, 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 what? That's kind of interesting. 
See, and when, and also too, when Jesus quoted, because if you go to Psalms 82 and, and track that down, it won't say, um, it won't say praise, it'll say strength on that. But see, and that strength means firm and strong. But what, what, it, what it's trying to, when we put it all together, praise tells the story of God. Who he is and what he has done in our lives, right? And no matter how young or old the teller is, God's story always brings strength. Always. So when you get an opportunity to praise on a Sunday morning or in your car or wherever, you are telling God's story back to him. You are telling God's story to others because they're listening and going, man, why are they so pumped? Why are they so excited? Why are they just, you know, going for this thing? Well, it's because God's doing something in my life and I need to give him all the praise, all the glory for it because he's wonderful. He's magnificent. I mean, I, I can't make it on my own. But somehow he keeps showing up day after day after day after day and he never lets me down. He's always, always faithful. Always. But see, when we do that, then it brings strength to people. It, I'll tell you this, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but it brings strength to our worship team when you guys worship. So they don't feel like they're putting on a concert. But when you are, you are engaged and you are worshiping and you are praising God, man, you know what? It brings such strength to our worship team. It brings such strength to your pastor. It brings such strength to all those in the congregation. We're not worried about what I look like or what's going on. We are just engaged. And it's like, yeah, man, I got nothing else to do right now. Right? Because you remember, this is what's going to be our full-time employment when we get to heaven. So let's practice our full-time employment and let's just go for it. Right? Raise the roof. And then worship, again, is that Hebrew word, uh, Barak. And in, the, and in the New Testament, the word is uh, proskuno. There you go. But with both of them depict the same kind of intimate adoration, right? With both, they just kind of, uh, uh, let's, let's, yeah, depict this intimate adoration with one kind of falling to their knees as an expression of reverence. Now, let me, let me say this. You might say, well, Pastor Scott, if I fall to my knees, I'm never getting back up again. Right? I mean, that's life. But it's not even so much falling to your knee. It's actually just your will falling before him. Where you just make that, 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 that choice in your heart. Lord, man, my, my flesh says, no, you do not raise your hand. No, you do not. No, no, no. You do not sing that. No, no. But see, it's when we decide, man, it's not, it's not me, man. I, I, want, I want to be in your full will. I want to be whatever it is you want me to be. And if you want me to sing loudly, then man, I'll sing loudly. I, I'm bowing myself to you, right? Another, another example of that is just kind of prostrating yourself. Uh, uh, well, I don't even know if I said that right, because um, I probably talked, just said prostate. But anyways, um, I, I do that sometimes. You ever notice that? I don't say words right, and it sounds different. Anyways, okay? But it's actually just kind of physically and mentally just laying yourself before the Lord and saying, you know what, God, you're in control. I'm not in control. And here, here's another thing about it, which is I find really cool, okay? It also means, right, to kiss God's hand as a sign of submission and respect, okay? It also could mean this. It can mean to lovingly blow kisses to him by using all available methods to adore and worship him. Blowing kisses, right? We do that to little babies. And they go, they go back. Here we are. When we praise and worship, it's like us blowing kisses to God. And, and, I, and I'm pretty positive that he returns the kiss. Right? Just like a baby does. I'm pretty positive God goes right back at you. Hey, do you see that angel? They were blowing kisses to me. I blew kisses too. Yeah. Probably not. Didn't happen either. But you know what I'm talking about. Right? So that means, listen, when you sing, 
when you raise your hands or your arms upward, well, you can keep it right here if you want, but if you raise it up or keep it right here, you, or when you clap, okay, it's not wrong, bad to clap in church, right? You know, some people got tempo, rhythm, some people don't, but that's okay, okay? But when you clap, when you play an instrument, and even when you got a little bit of a sway going, now, I'm not saying full-on dance, but when you got a little bit of a sway going, if you ever watch me, sometimes I'm like this, and I'm like, I got to stop swaying. But see, it's, it's this, this involvement in worship. You can sway. God's not going, oh, Pastor Scott is swaying to this music. He's not saying that. He's probably like going, hey, that's pretty cool. So whenever I'm engaged, whenever I'm singing, whatever I'm doing to give glory and honor to his name, Every time, everything I'm using that's available to me, these are available to me, right? No one's forcing me to do it. No one's forcing me to sing. No one's forcing me to move my hands or to go like this or go like this and clap or whatever or swing or whatever. Every time I do that, what am I doing? I am blowing kisses to the Lord. And you are too, if, you'll, if, you, if you join in and not be so stoic. But again, it's kind of your comfortability. But see, I want you to grow beyond your comfortability. Because see, really, God's a God about stretching us. He wants us to stretch. He wants to stretch you beyond what you're comfortable with sometimes. But that's just because he wants to get you to where he wants to get you. But see, we got to be surrendered enough to say, okay, I'm willing. I'm willing for you to stretch me. Whatever that looks like. Whatever that, that, that is. And so here we are blowing kisses, right? Right? And, that, and, and listen, that's so important, too, to understand that, you know what? We shouldn't be doing it for religious reasons or, or you know, because anyone can sing a song, right? I mean, you can, you can just sing a song. But if it's not something that is affecting your heart or you've surrendered to the fact of what it is, and I... So, if you're singing a secular song, how many knows a secular song? Come on, raise your hand if you know a secular song. I'm pretty sure every single one of us do. I mean, we all know an Elvis song or something like that, right? Okay? So, if we start singing a, a, a secular song, what, what is then our attention towards? The lyrics in the song, right? So, if we start to worship, what is our attention towards? The lyrics in the song and who we are worshiping. Does that make sense? And so he wants us to break, break out like, oh, well, yeah, I can sing. Okay, well, sing with a surrendered heart unto him. Because authentic worship requires an intimate exchange where one willfully gives his heart to the Lord. And that should be something that we engage in, right? Because when we do that, then, then God, then this, this atmosphere comes. Right? This atmosphere is created that God can inhabit and he can move. One other thing, just really, really quick, right? And I, I, and I, I, I might have skipped it by accident, but just, just, no, no, I'm sorry. When we can look at, look at this in Psalms 100, and, and it gives us these three things about how to do it. I'm just going to run these down real quick. So we got to push aside everything. Let's push aside when we come to church. Let's push aside when we get in our car. And begin to, to declare and, and thank God for what he's already done. Right? And then as we sing, tell the story. And then as we do, it'll soften our hearts. Right? And worship will begin to come bubbling out of us. Right? I love being around people who just love to worship. Because it's just bubbling out of them all the time. It's, it's a blessing. 1 Corinthians 6, 119. This is where I was going to jump to, which I didn't realize I wasn't there yet. But 1 Corinthians 6.19, because I, I want us to understand, now that we're in the New Testament, now that we are born-again believers and the Holy Spirit lives in us like we talked about last week, right? It says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Which means that the moment you and I became born again, you and I became a walking sanctuary, right? You became a walking temple because we house the Holy Spirit. That's important, okay? And, and where did they go to worship a lot of times? In the temple. 
See, so there's this exchange going on inside of us. And Paul wrote this, right, because, because in Corinth, there were all kinds of temples around there. Not just, not just Christian temples, but there were all kinds, like crazy. And these things were adorned. They were beautiful inside. They were just like this, these magnificent buildings. And whether you feel like it or not, spiritually, God has constructed something magnificent within you. To the point where the Holy Spirit says, yeah, I want to live there. I'll live there forever. But see, we've got to understand so much so that he lives in us that we can worship anywhere at any time because you're carrying this temple. See, oftentimes we think, well, I can't worship until I come to church because I need the worship band or whatever. But see, the Holy Spirit lives in you and therefore you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you have the ability to worship at any time, anywhere. You can worship in your home. You can worship in your car. You can worship in the street. You can worship here at church. Whatever it is. But you have to understand, the Holy Spirit is in you. And, and let me tell you one more thing. It's awesome when we come corporately together if we will worship together. If we, if we come in one accord and we worship together, I, I expect God to show up. And we'll talk a little about that in just a minute. So let's get a look at three reasons why worship is important and why we should have a passion for it. Number one, worship brings God's presence. Worship brings God's presence. Psalms 22, verse 3. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Now, the word enthroned means to sit, to remain seated, to inhabit, to dwell. It implies ownership and control as one crowned. Okay? It describes God as a sovereign king presiding over individuals and congregations who are praising him. When you begin to praise him, that allows God to come and sit on, your, on the throne of your circumstances. Allows God to come and sit and be a part of your circumstances as king. Not you. Right? Not you, because we like to take king ownership of every single situation we face or everything. I got to do it. Well, sometimes it's a matter of us just submitting to the, to the Lord and saying, all right, I, I can't even figure this out. I don't even know what this looks like. But man, I'm going to start praising you. Right? You may remember Paul and Silas? I'm going to start praising you. And who showed up? God. Right? And so as they praised, then he came and he showed up. And so in that verb tense then, that means as soon as we start to exalt and praise his name, it creates this atmosphere for God to show up, for him to manifest himself and his kingdom power in your life. That's why it's so important not just to wait for Sunday to worship and praise. Do it on Monday. Do it on Tuesday. Do it on Wednesday. All throughout the week. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Just like it's like you got to eat. Praise him. Right? Because he'll come. I mean, the Bible shows the stories of that. What about like, you know, um, Joshua and Jericho? They had to go around, right? But what were they doing? They were praising the Lord. Again, Paul and Silas. And what about Jehoshaphat against the three armies that were coming against them? What did God tell them to do? Put the worshipers out in front. What? Why would you put the worshipers out in front against three armies coming at you? They don't got any skill how to shoot. They don't have any skill to do a bow and arrow. They don't have any skill to kill. All they know to do is worship. But what happened? God showed up. Created confusion. And they started turning on each other. They didn't even have to lift a, 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 a bow and arrow or a sword. They just showed up and like, what happened? Victory. Right? Because they were praising and worshiping the Lord. And it gave the Lord the ability to come down on their situation and set up his rule, set up his kingdom over it. Man, it's so important. Man, when you, you get faced with a situation, you get faced with a circumstance that, man, you just... Man, I, I, even if you know what to do. But it's something that begins to weigh heavy on your heart. I just encourage you, worship the Lord. 
Begin to praise him. And his presence will come. And it will rest upon your circumstance and your situation. And he will allow you to have favor in whatever that is. He will, he will begin to work in your, your circumstance. He will bring healing to your life. All kinds of things. But it's so important that we actually begin to do that. Right? And here's the deal too. You've got to do it before he shows up. Because oftentimes as Christians, we think, well, yeah, I'll praise God when he shows up and he pays my bill. Or when he shows up and the doctor says, all's good. Then I'll praise God. No, you praise him even before that. David did that a lot. Right? Even like the, the, the stories I just said, they did it before God showed up. It wasn't after God showed up. You know, Paul and Silas were just sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, and break the thing and all that and the doors open up. And then, oh, praise God. Thank you so much for getting us out of here. No. They were like before. So then the God's power could come. It's just so important we realize, don't wait to praise God. Praise God. Oh, man, we just have, should have a lifestyle of praise in our life. Right? And, 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 to, okay, I, and don't be childish about this. Okay? Because you might say, well, yeah, but Pastor Scott, man, you don't even get it. Right? My, because, you know, for me, that's hard to do. I mean, I got, I got like, like, you know, just so much going on. Man, I got stuff at work that's so rough. I got, I got you know, rough mornings sometimes. Man, I, I've just had a rough year all together. Why, why, man, why should I even do that? Well, don't be childish. Just do it. Right? That, that's part of growing up in your maturity with Jesus. When you start doing things before it even happens what you need. Right? I mean... In your giving, you start giving before, before you, 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 you're like, okay, I'm going to give, even though I have this, this coming up or this bill, but you start giving before that time, God will make sure that bill's taken care of. That's just how it works. But see, you got to do it before, not after. But we got to praise him, right? We got to praise him. And so, a couple of things we got we kind of got to grasp real quick to kind of move past that thinking. The first is we don't praise because we feel like it. We praise God because He deserves it. We don't praise because we feel like it. Oh, I feel like it today, Pastor Scott. No, and then go oh the next day. Nah, I didn't really feel like it. I wasn't really feeling that worship song today. Oh, geez, boy, that was bad. Who cares? Just worship. Because he deserves our worship. God deserves it. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says this. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Do you see that? The fruit of our lips. We're singing. We're speaking. But you have to understand that sometimes our praise will require every last ounce you got, right? But do it despite your feelings, despite what your mind says. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. You got to sacrifice sometimes, right? You got to sacrifice. You, you just do it. Man, I don't feel like doing it. Just do it. It's like, Working out or going, sometimes you just don't feel like working out. Story of my life, right? But, but you just got to do it if that's what you got to do. My boys are like, yeah, dad, come on. Anyways. And then the second thing is, man, don't wait to get to church to worship. Move beyond that. Praise every day. We should be engaged in it. Okay. And, and really too, you know what? We should get out right out of bed. I wrote this thing down. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for another day. Would that be so bad? I don't think so. Thank you that your mercy is new every morning. Thank you that it pursues me and gets me through my day. Thank you for showing up and establishing your rule over every situation I face in my, in my life today. I mean, that's not hard. But if you mean it with your heart, I guarantee you, you're going to see changes happen in your life. You're going to see changes happening throughout your day where all of a sudden you're going to go like, man, 
But see, it, 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 it's a part of us that has to just surrender to him. Second point is God's presence brings God's glory. God's presence brings God's glory. So we know that God inhabits our praises. But see, also the great thing about it is his presence comes with it. Okay? His presence comes with it. But that's not the only thing. He brings his glory also. Yeah, he come, brings his glory. In the Old Testament times, the Hebrew word glory describes something very weighty. And when God's presence came, this weightiness brought about miracles, healing, deliverance, and everything else that was needed for change and transformation. Then when we get to the New Testament, the meaning of glory changes a tad bit to this word called doxa, which uh, includes all of the Old Testament meaning, what I just read, but it also carries with it the idea of discernment, judgment, and splendor. So when we combine the two concepts together, it describes what actually happens when an individual or congregation worships God from the heart and gives oneself in adoration, in humility. Remember that scripture, John, uh, John 4.24 said, it says this, worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. When Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. That, that's that's this, this thing. And so when we do that, when we worship the Father in spirit and truth, then God responds. God inhabits their praises. And out of that overwhelming weightiness of his glory, he re- releases the supernatural. He releases the supernatural. Supernatural favor, supernatural deliverance, supernatural restoration, supernatural healings, supernatural resources. Listen, at every level. At every level. But see, we got we to begin as a congregation to really engage in this. I told you last week, man, I, I, I am believing God that the Holy Spirit will show up. And when we pray for people, things change. That signs, miracles, and wonders happen. But see, part of the deal is, as a congregation, we got to come expecting, and we got to come worshipful. we got to come, man, with our whole hearts. Man, we are surrendered to Jesus. Come on, let's see what you're going to do today, Jesus, because we're excited about what you want to do. And so he wants to do that. And, and really, part of the deal is the Holy Spirit discerns what needs to happen. Right? He knows, but he's discerning. Man, is that, is that a place where God can come in? And, you know, and, and there have been times in, in, in church, our church services where you could feel the presence of God, where it becomes a little, just kind of weightiness, kind of like, man, there's just something here. God, God wants to do something. And I was thinking about this. Go to, go to the Second Corinthians uh, scripture real quick. Now, this is um, um, Solomon. He, he built God's temple, and he's getting ready for the dedication and all this. And it says, for we do not condemn ourselves. Uh, no, that's, that's not the one. Um, I, I actually needed... Uh, Second uh, Chronicles, I messed you up. All right, and let me, let me flip that in real quick. Um, unless you can get it up faster than me. But Second Chronicles, sorry about that. My sound people, you guys do an awesome job. I just jacked you up. And so that way everybody's looking, oh, what did he do? He's in trouble now. But he's not in trouble. It's just Pastor Scott's a knucklehead sometimes. All right, verse 12. So Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. Did he do it? Oh, no. Okay. It says, All the Levites who were, who were musicians, Asa, Heman, Jebedu, and their sons and relatives, stood at the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lives. So they had some music going on. So it's okay to have music in church, right? And they were dressed in fine linen and all that stuff. And then it says, They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeteers and the musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. The singers raised their voice in praise to God and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. So what was going on? 
They were worshiping. They were singing to the Lord. They were surrendered to the Lord. And all of a sudden, what happens? The Lord showed up. Right? It says that the Lord showed up. It says the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Wow. I mean, I, it, that just doesn't happen in the Old Testament. I believe God wants to happen nowadays in this real time. And man, Sometimes we, there's this heaviness that goes on that we just, I, man, I feel anyways, that the Lord is here and he wants to do something. And sometimes I, I, I am learning how to navigate that a little bit better. But I'm also trying to figure out, okay, if, if, we, if, we, if we press into something, how, how are, are the people going to respond? And see, I just want you to realize, man, when there's, a, there's an opportunity to get down here, to get prayed for, and an opportunity when the, the, the Spirit of the Lord is here, get down here and be prayed for. Press in. Press in deeper. Instead of kind of like, well, man, I feel it, but I, I really don't know what to do with this. And, uh, no. And if, and if I get up here, at, at some point and say, hey, right now, if you need prayer, you come down here and get prayed for, then man, I, I want you guys to respond in a way that is not like, oh, that's weird. That's like, okay, God's here. Pastor Scott's feeling it, man. Right? Even if I'm not feeling it, I'm still going to press in anyways. Because that's what I'm hungry for. I'm, I'm desiring for, for God to move in such a way that, man, we just are experiencing His presence and His glory. So will you do that with me? Will you go with me on that every Sunday? The third thing is, the final thing is, God's glory brings us into unity. God's glory brings us into unity. And one of the best examples of how that happens, how God's glory affects the people of God is in Psalms 133, verse 1 through 3. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren, that's you and I, to dwell together in unity. Okay? That means we stand together on what the Lord is wanting to do. We stand together. We make a decision every Sunday, right? Every Wednesday, whenever we have service, whenever we have something going, we make a decision to stand together. This is my church family. This is my house. And if God wants to show up and he wants to do something, then you know what? I'm in unity with everybody else. I'm just in unity. Because I want to see God. I want to see God move in, in our, our services. And then it says, it, it right? When, when we are in unity together, it is like the precious oil Upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments, it is like the dew of, of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For, the, uh, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So here David gives us a picture of God's glorious presence in, in a couple words. Okay? The very first one is the, the, the precious oil. Okay? This precious oil... It represents God's authority and power in the life of people. Now, what this is talking about is, you know, they poured oil, anointing oil, over Aaron as the, the, the head of the priesthood and over the priest, right? But it was pouring down because now what rested upon them was God's authority, right? And God's power rested on their life. The second one was, David said, that God's presence and anointing is like the dew of Hermon. Okay? Now, I always thought, what's the big deal about that? But then when you start kind of studying this a little bit more, but when you think about it, dew is the manifestation of moisture that is always in the air, but you can't see it. Okay? There's moisture in the air in here, but you can't see it. But when the atmospheric conditions are right, the dew liquefies and becomes visible. And the dew drop, droplets saturate everything around. That's why the grass is wet in the morning. Didn't rain, but the grass is wet. 
or even on the plants. So David's illustration teaches us this, that just like moisture is always in the air but not seen, God's presence is always with us, even if it's not always visible. God's presence is always with us, even when it's not visible. But see, something has to change for it to become visible, right? The, the, the atmosphere has to change in order for it to become visible. So if we want God to visibly show up, then the atmosphere has to change in the, in the house. You, you tracking me? To where we come with expectancy. Where we come with our praise and worship shoes on. And our praise and worship clap hands. And our praise and worship lips. But see, every time we gather, we can create this atmosphere. Or man, it becomes so wonderful that God's glory fills this house. Every nook and cranny. Not just in this building, but also in our kids and our youth. It fills this whole place where God wants to show up and he wants to show off. He wants to bring deliverance. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring everything that you need. But see, as a church, as a congregation, we've got to come together and, and allow our praise to be so in unity that it changes the atmosphere to the point where God can come and fill this house. Where God can come and we're just like, whoa, God is so wonderful. He's so, so good. But it, that's a prayer of mine that you would hunger that you would desire something like that. Because it's possible. It's possible to happen. Worship team, if you want to come up. But see, when, when that stuff starts to happen, then you know what? It begins to unify us as a congregation. It begins to draw us together. And begins to unify us individually and, in, in, and congregationally. Because now we are experiencing and we also have this expectation as a body of believers that when we worship together, He's going to show up. When we come together and we're in unity, He's going to show up. And so, I'm going to close it right here, but, but, but give, me, give me just a minute. Because I've asked the worship team to just come and, and lead us in a worship song. And I'm hoping and praying what I, 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 I spoke to you about today. That, that you'll engage. You'll engage in this. And, 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 I, and I realize, you know what? Sometimes it's about baby steps, right? Because sometimes you're just like, Pascal, I don't know if I can go all in like that. that. You know, whatever. But you know what? If your heart would join us, if you would begin to like, you know, tear down the barriers and the walls and the obstructions that cause you not to want to just bust out with praise, then man, I just ask that you would at least ask the Lord to work on your heart. Now, I'm not talking about being all crazy and all that stuff, but I'm just saying, man, you know, in your spot, in your space, there is a surrender that says, you know what, Lord, I will worship you with all my heart today. And I will, I will sing even when I don't feel like singing. I will praise you even when I don't feel like praising you right now. But I'll engage in it because I know your presence comes. I know your presence is here when I do that because you, you promised that you would. And so I'm going to let the worship team um, lead us in a song and then Pastor Heather will, will close us and, and lead us out of here. But one quick question or one quick thing. This Friday night, at our TKK campus, we're having worship 101. Okay, I don't know why they call it 101. But we're having a worship night. And so I just wanted to encourage you to come. If you can make it, come. And, and you know what? Bust out your praise. Right? And engage. And let's see what God wants to do. Because, again, we're going to gather together with other believers in unity, in one accord. Yeah, man, I'm here to worship. I'm not here to watch. I'm out here to like judge. I'm here to worship you with all of my heart. 
So that's Friday night. I think it's at 6.30. Love to see you there. But I'm going to go ahead and let the, let the worship team, um, as I pray real quick, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for the word that, that, that was released today. I thank you that it really does tug on our hearts and that we fully engage what you desire and what you want. And we're going to worship the Lord right now. We're going to try to put into practice what we've been taught today. And I thank you that, Lord, your, your presence will be here. And that you will meet needs, whatever those needs are, because you're good and you're faithful. And I thank you for that, Jesus. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.